0: Hello and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Dan Malthrop, chief executive here and a proud member. Today is October 26th and you're the virtual City Club Forum. The 2020 presidential election arrives at one of the most contentious moments in the last half century. It's also an election in which two two groups will play defining roles. Voters under the age of 30, which now make up the largest share of the electorate and female voters, especially black women. Add to that the role that technology will play in mediating Black access to the key instruments that govern our democratic processes, from redistricting and the census count to online voter suppression and the expectation of even more foreign election interference, and our ability to think strategically and clearly about the intersection of racial justice, technology, and democracy will not only impact the election, but will be defined by it. We've assembled a distinguished panel of experts to discuss these issues and more. Moderating our conversation today is Pittsburgh-based independent hip hop artist and activist Jasiri X. He's the first independent hip hop artist to be awarded an honorary doctorate, which he received from the Chicago Theological Seminary in 2016. In addition, Jasiri X has been deeply involved with the National Movement for Black Lives, working with organizations like the Gathering for Justice, Blackout for Human Rights, and others. He remains rooted in the organizations he co-founded the anti-violence group one hood as well as the one hood media academy which teaches youth of color how to analyze and create media for themselves our forum today is a collaborative joint session with rap sessions and one hood and we'll begin with a performance from jasiri x and then bring in the panel for a conversation we'll end as we always do with your questions if you have a question Text it to three three zero five four one five seven nine four 541 5794 Anytime during the conversation, Three three zero five four one five seven nine four 541 5794 is the number. You can also tweet it at the City Club. We will work it into the program in the second half. And with that, friends, here's Jasiri X.
1: Welcome to the whitest house. Slave souls haunt the halls when the light is out. They suck the blood of the poor and don't wipe their mouth. The last gasp of a world that is dying out. Welcome to the whitest house, where every room is a tomb that they lie about, where you could put your filthy feet on the finest couch, and for the right amount, you can even buy it out. White power, white pride, white privilege, whites maintain all their rights when whites pillage. White lies, white tears, and white feelings, white supremacy, in the white house, the whitest building, ironically, in the place they call Chocolate City. Now all we see is a vanilla sky, man, that'll kill your vibe. Then turn on the news for the realest lies. Damn, man, that is sadder than when children cry. 45, make them wanna grab a 45. Nazis, what is this, 1945? Progressive white, so horrified. Black people, like we tried to tell y'all, you ignore the signs. Trudeau, I need a visa, please order mine. Or my Chicano peeps can sneak me through the borderline. That slogan on that red hat was so popular, who knew it meant marching with torches and waving swastikas. So when that anthem plays, I'm going to sit next to Colin Kaepernick and Marshawn Lynch. Shout out to all my Africans. Descendants of those victims of slave trafficking, the men that captured them, they built statues the champion. And what religion were they practicing? Burning crosses in the Oval Office. Why Amarosa and Ben Carson defend racists in the same place Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. White minds with black faces, a nation indoctrinated in hatred and need of an operation. Approval rate in less than one third of the population who took off their hoods so their identity's not mistaken. America's greatness, we not debating. Her history of murder and raping, we not erasing. Kill Mexicans, kill blacks and kill natives cause a real American can only be Caucasian. Welcome to the whitest house. Slave souls haunt the halls when the light is out. They suck the blood of the poor and don't wipe their mouth. The last gas of a world that is dying out. Welcome to the whitest house, where every room is a tomb that they lie about. Where you could put your filthy feet on the finest couch. And for the right amount, you can even buy it out. Some see X, y'all, that's the whitest house. Yeah, snap it up, snap it up.
0: Thank you very much, Jasiri. That was amazing. And I appreciate it. We don't get to kick off City Club forums like that enough. I want to introduce the panel. Jasiri will be moderating, but let me tell you who's up. Shakira Diaz is Managing Director of Partnerships for the Alliance for Safety and Justice and a good friend of the City Clubs. Mutali Nikonde is Founding CEO of AI for the People. Dr. Cornell West needs almost no introduction, but these days he is professor of practice of public philosophy at the Harvard Divinity School, and Angela Woodson is founder of Ground Up Strategy, LLC. It is wonderful to have all of you here. Jasiri X, it's all yours.
1: Uh, peace, everybody. Um, again, I mean, it's an honor to be here, uh, particularly um, in this august panel. Um, I would like to start with, with you, Dr. West, Um, Just about this current moment, um, I feel like the word unprecedented might even be, um, you know, not not powerful enough for this moment where we're in the midst of a global pandemic that's disproportionately affecting uh, Black people. Um, We're still, you know, um, in the midst of a a universal uprising against police brutality. We just saw, you know, our brothers and sisters in Nigeria also uh, uh, rising up there. Um, And now we're in the midst of this election where um, in places like, you know, I'm based in Pittsburgh um, and Ohio where these battleground swing states, um, we're talking about the possibility of white militias or white supremacist violence, you know, possibly preventing us from just voting. Um, can you, you know, I, I mean, you, you've, been, you've been around and you, you've analyzed, you know, um, um, America's condition in, in, in a very powerful way. Can you just talk about this moment um, and, and, and what it is and why it's important for us to be involved now more than ever?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the question, oh, brother. First, just want to say it's a blessing to be here and on the panel with my three magnificent sisters here. I come to learn. I come to listen. I salute you, my brother, you are the Gil Scott heron of your generation though, man, still strong as ever, the one and only, only uh, Bakari Kitwana we want to acknowledge, we thank brother Dan, and anytime I come to Cleveland, I got to say a shout out to the greatest soul singer of his generation, Gerald Avert. He means the world to me, died at 40 years old, and I want to acknowledge Sister Nina Turner, who's my dear sister as well, but I come in with a sense of humility because we're in an unprecedented situation, but it's, there's, there's continuities with, with our struggle going back 400 years that we're on t- intimate terms with catastrophe. We've been hated for 400 years. We produce love warriors. We've been terrorized for 400 years. We produce freedom fighters. We've been traumatized for 400 years. We produce wounded healers at our best. Mm-hmm. And we got to be at our best. We got to be fortified in order to fructify. That means hitting the poles making sure we vote to push out a neo-fascist gangster that means we got to be organized we got to be solidified not just politically but in our souls because we live in, in a country that's experiencing spiritual decay and moral decrepitude it's the gangsterization of the of, of the society and there's a big difference between gangsters and hypocrites hypocrisy is the compliment that vice plays the virtue When you're a hypocrite, you still believe virtue has status. You just hide it and conceal it. But when you're a gangster, you just think you can say anything, do anything, get away with it. Might makes right, greed is good, hating on Mexicans, Arabs, Muslims, Jews, especially black folk, indigenous people, gay brothers, lesbian sisters, and so forth. And that's very much what we're up against. And that's part of the, the artistry that you just provided us with. But one last thing as human beings, but especially black folk, we should never be surprised by evil. Never be surprised by white supremacy. Never. It's a given. The question is, how are we gonna respond? Mm-hmm. Fortify, fructify, deeds, sacrifice, service, taking a risk. And secondly, we should never be paralyzed by despair. And ain't nothing wrong with wrestling with despair, but never allowed to have the last word. Mm-hmm. we are people on the move. Curtis Mayfield say, "Keep on pushing." That's hope as a verb and a virtue. There's no hope if you ain't in motion. That's abstract. We ain't talking about nothing abstract. This is fleshified, concretized, exemplified. That's the history of a great people.
1: Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's uh those are those are powerful inspirational words in this moment uh that we really need. Uh I, I want to come to you, Angela, um, because you know, I remember, you know, I always tell this story. I remember being in in, in Cleveland, Ohio, and I think it was 2012. And um, you stepped in when a, a brother was having trouble voting um, and made sure he was able to exercise his right to vote. Um, that was a, a, a contentious election, but you know, I, I don't think anything like what we are seeing right now, um, I, I, I I read somebody say something that you know the fact that folks are waiting seven hours, that should like count as a poll tax that like actually should be illegal. And I know you're somebody that's on the ground really dealing with uh, a voter suppression. And you know we're talking about Ohio, which is one of these states that has determined, you know, who the who's going to be the president, you know, uh, for these last elections. What are you seeing, and how are you all, um, specifically in Ohio, organizing uh, to make sure that folks can vote, um, that folks can can vote, I guess, relatively quickly, um, and and that and that folks can exercise their rights safely?
3: Well, my hat first of all goes to all of the Black organizations. In the state of Ohio, from Cincinnati to Dayton, Toledo, Akron, Columbus, Canton, Youngstown, Warren, Cleveland. I have been so humble and so proud of just seeing how they took this matter seriously prior to COVID. The churches got on board early. They got on board like last year beginning to organize bishops mm-hmm. of the AME Church, the CME Church, the Baptist Conventions they started immediately going in and getting their congregations trained about voter registration, voter education. And it trickled straight down to all of the civil rights organizations, to the sororities and the fraternities, to our Masonic and Eastern Stars brothers and sisters. So it has just been humble to watch the efforts that everybody, even with COVID, just kept going. Just said, okay, we're in a virtual moment. We still gonna keep education. Wow going for our people. Mm -hmm. And it's just been so beautiful to watch here in Ohio just to see the lines. I mean, the lines is us. And I'm just Mm -hmm. so happy to see, hey, that's us in these lines. We stand in Cleveland just this weekend. They were like around the corner, down Chester on I-90. I literally had tears. I know everybody else was hyped about Senator Kamala Harris being here in the city. But I was more hyped and moved to see how these people organically just created a line and said, I don't care, we're gonna go down the highway ramp and stand here in the cold and look like it was gonna rain, but they were determined to go ahead and vote. And it was intergenerational. It was just moving to see no matter what, they're not letting anything. When this lady stopped me and I was so moved by this, she said she was 75 years old and she's born in Mississippi. She says, I'm a child of the 60s. I was clear what that meant. I was so clear Mm -hmm. where she was going. About the whole, I can't, I have to show up, she said. I have to show up and vote. She said, this line doesn't mean a thing to me. I'm going to stand out here forever how long it takes Mm -hmm. because I'm going to cast my ballot in person. She says, because we have to change what is going on right now. And when she said that, I just had chills. And someone said, did you know? I said, no, I didn't know this woman. I said, but I had so much chills in my body from her just telling me how I could feel her whole spirit move Mm -hmm. me and how important it was to stand in that cold. Like she Mm -hmm. said, she was just warm each step she got to the board of elections because she knew she could vote. But what was also a blessing is to see pastors and churches get chairs for the elderly. I mean, people were going in their trunks. People went Mm -hmm. and got Coffee. I mean, it's just everybody was trying to make everybody feel secure in this process. And I and, and it's just it's just been humbling to watch. So, you know, if the militia's coming from where I'm standing, I'm like, well, good luck with that. Because the people <laughs> <here> in Ohio, <laughs> they're not playing about casting their vote. Right. They're not playing. Mm-hmm. And so if they want to try these people. God bless and keep them. I mean, I hope they they sprinkle whatever they got to sprinkle and go in with the love of God on this one for real. Cause I don't think I would mess with anybody <laughs> getting in these lines right now trying to cast their vote.
1: Mm, that's right. Go go someplace else. <laughs> 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 no, but that's that, and that's that. That's that resilience, uh, and that resistance that that Dr. West led with, and so it's powerful that, to kind of hear him speak it. And then you know, this is exactly what you're seeing. Uh, happening in Cleveland. I remember seeing uh, I think it was video from Philadelphia where they were doing the cha-cha slide, uh mm-hmm. whatever that whatever in line. And you know, that's just the spirit of our, our people in our community. Um I, I want to go, uh I come to you, Shakira, uh, particularly because, you know, um, you know, criminal justice has been kind of this center piece um on the ballot, specifically when kind of addressing like the black community and black voters. You know, on one hand, um you have uh President Trump who's you know, been really kind of talking over and over again about law and order, law and order, law and order, which is kind of, to me, like a dog whistle in terms of, you know, where he stands in this uh, conversation around police reform. Uh, But he's also touting the First Step Act and the fact Mm -hmm. that he's saying, you know, he let folks out. And then on the other hand, you know, he's, He's coming at you know um, 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 Vice President Biden for his ninety four crime bill and you know a uh, uh, Kamala uh, being a prosecutor as well uh, for for folks that are um, you know entering into this moment uh, with criminal justice form um, on our minds as something that we're concerned about. Can you give us some guidance and um, and and what we should be looking for in the midst of all of this rhetoric?
4: Sure. Thanks, Dasiri. So let me start off with this. We have over 70 million people in this country that have a prior conviction. Wow. 70 million. This oh is the number one incarcerator of human beings on Earth. You would have to you know, add up two countries and multiply by three to get to the number that we have here, right? Okay. So I want to say that because of that, there are, it's an estimate about 5 million people are disenfranchised for a period of time and cannot vote. But the other issue comes in that there is this disenfranchisement by uh, misinformation that occurs. There are people who have prior convictions who can vote, who are not aware that they can vote and stay away from voting out of fear that they may violate the terms of their probation or parole and hence are not engaging in the process, which is why uh, you know our organization, the Alliance for Safety and Justice has launched this campaign to where we are building our own voter file. And it's really not about, you know, one election to the next. It's really about building power. It's engaging those people who have been excluded, those people who are in the margins, who have been put in the margin, who are never going to appear on anybody's voter file cuz they've never registered. Part of the complexity of, you know, the way that this country ingeniously works to exclude is that it 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 adjust to language, right? So we are now, and we have been taking the scenic route to racism and exclusion. So, you know, there was a time that was very explicit that a Black person could not vote. We don't say that in our laws no more. But what we can do is make somebody a felon, right? Justly and unjustly. And then remove people's right to vote, And even in states where you have those rights, so for example, I wanna be clear in the state of Ohio, you can vote, you just cannot currently be in prison serving a sentence for a felony conviction, but you can vote um, absentee while you are serving time uh, for a misdemeanor. You can vote in jail uh, pre-trial you can vote as soon as you get out of prison, you can register to vote and vote. And every state has different laws, but because every state has different laws, there's a lot of confusion. So, so here we are um, working to build the largest demographic of people who have been intentionally excluded from building power, right? to engage not just every four years, but what does power look like? How is it that these various people that we elect in office impact our lives? Not just us, but generations of people, entire communities. We know what divestment looks like and not engaging looks like when we drive through different communities, right? suburban communities are invested in the way that public dollars are invested in shows us that we can see that there are resources we can see that you know somebody's struggling with something they get support they don't get handcuffs right so that's it's working towards understanding that this this process is very complex especially when you have not been engaged but we're working towards building that um you know especially when you think about the fact that most people in this country go to prison or jail between the ages of 16 to 24. A lot of people are losing their right to vote even before they actually can vote. So we're working to like get them back in and say, no, this, these are the, these are the, the parameters or the laws or the guidelines in in your state, and let's build this power so that we're not only influencing from every four years from the top down but from the bottom up the fronts the sides the, the angles all that we want to hit all of that
1: no that's and that's such important work and if, if folks are also watching for pennsylvania is the same if you know you're on probation and parole you can also vote um if you have not been convicted you can vote um and and, and getting that word out but um and i'm gonna come to you uh motale um the um one of the things that shakira said was disenfranchisement by misinformation and I feel like um, you know, right now when we think about technology, on one hand, you know, we're we're using technology more in 2020 than we ever have because we're forced to. You know, we're forced <laughs> to. Um, you know, at Onehood Power, we we have digital canvases. You know, we didn't feel comfortable with sending people to actually knock on somebody's door. Um, during COVID 19. So, we've been doing digital canvassing and we've been using text messaging and social media um, um, and, and, and apps like Ballot Ready to kind of put, put these uh, ballots together. But then, on the flip side, you also have this disinformation campaign. You know, we found out, I, I want to say last month, that the Trump campaign targeted. 3.5 million black voters with a disinformation campaign to suppress votes so how do we you know how how would you um, you know what advice would you give folks that are engaging you know some of our elders aren't you know necessarily uh, technologically you know don't don't want to don't want to mess with technology in that way but how do we engage people uh, and members of our community that are susceptible to this disinformation that's going around on social media that's not being regulated?
5: So uh, there's a lot in that, but one of the things that we're doing, we're actually working in Philadelphia. So we're using Pennsylvania as um, a test case and we're looking at the different disinformation narratives that are being advanced by people that are actually black or people who seem to be black, right? Because you can have social media. You c- you can have social media profiles that act like Black people, mm. may uh, use some of our rhetoric, but are actually not Black. And the advice that we give people is to listen very carefully to the rhetoric. Right, so. Our our particular campaign is in Philadelphia because we were really, really inspired by W.E.B. Du Bois' ethnography of the Seventh Ward, which was what, 1896? And within that, he says white white people were going into the Seventh Ward and convincing black people to vote against their own interests mm. and vote against their own their, their own communities. And if you look at the three disinformation campaigns we're following, which target blacks. They're very clear. One of them is that we should not vote at the top of the ballot, that we should vote below. That actually happened in 2016, the an IRA. So a Russian disinformation campaign convinced it seems 70,000 people in the city of Detroit, which we know is 89% black not to vote at the top of the ballot. And then it flips to Trump by 10,000 votes. And then four years later, a right-wing militia goes and tries to kidnap their governor. So I'm going somewhere. These are connected. The second one is this idea that Black men are being left out. Black men are not being talked to. And so they should go and vote for Trump because Trump loves them. But you need to be a student of history. The Exonerated Five, he wanted to execute five Black men who were completely innocent of crimes and were were being... Uh, you know, the NYPD, which is a different uh, conversation I could have with you forever, had basically picked up these innocent boys. And then the third one is um this idea that Blacks have nothing to gain. We have nothing to gain by voting, which isn't even Black, right? I'm somebody that does a lot of digital ethnographies, but one of the things I've been looking at as I seek to understand disinformation is the Soviet relationship between Blacks African-Americans and the Soviet Union really going back to the Scottsboro Boys. And when you do that work, you realize that when Black people had nothing, we partied. We had, you know, we had rent parties. We sang in the civil rights movement. We danced at the polls. So when you're online and you're going down a rabbit hole where it's like it's so terrible to be Black, we should not vote, that probably is a disinformation. A, a disinformation campaign, and it all works in emotions. So, online, one of the our campaign that we've launched with MoveOn, uh, MoveOn.org, is vote down COVID, right? Because the idea is you need to think about something that is completely co- concrete and that is attacking blacks, and get people to vote in the get people to vote in the affirmative. But as a long term strategy, what we're actually looking at is rampant capitalism because the social media platforms that are allowing these messages to come forward they're also making money from our engagement so you know i don't i'm not going to speak too much i don't want to come too much out of scope but anything that is encouraging you to use any type of technology and does not make you feel good, you need to check yourself. Go read Audre Lorde, go read Anne-Marie Brown and realize <laughs> that black people, we should be happy. We should be coming out of fascism, a hyper capitalism and really using technologies as tools for liberation. That's right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I have. To- wow.
1: No, that's, that's, that's so powerful. Um, You know, we had early voting um, here in Pennsylvania and the first one was in an historically black community called Homewood, and when we showed up at the um, at the community college, somebody had wrote graffiti um, all over the college: "Don't vote, uh, uh, don't vote, uh, uh, go. You know, instead, like uh, uh, a fight for revolution. Don't vote, fight for revolution with like a hammer and a sickle." And so it was kind of a thing. Where it was like, here's somebody coming from outside of our community. To try to convince folks, you know, not to vote. So that's that's happening online, and and, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's happening in real life as well. But you brought up a great point, and yeah, we're gonna, you know, uh, uh, take questions shortly. But I did want to ask one last question from the panel because you had mentioned, you know, in this campaign, particularly around Black men. You know, we saw, and I, I want to start with you, Dr. West. We've seen a lot of, you know, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a rapper and I kind of, I kind of be like Damn, rappers, please be quiet. I don't know if we, I don't know if we need y'all to be taking a lead right now, but we've, we've seen a lot of, you know, black men rappers kind of, you know, uh, 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 stepping out and kind of being used um, 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 in, in, in terms of whether telling people to hold their vote, you know, maybe, maybe not to vote. Um, jumping up with political parties two weeks before an election. Um, and, and it's not that we're saying that people don't have a right to share or speak um, um, or, you know, exercise their First Amendment right. However, um, it is weird to see this happening in this historic election, particularly when we have, I mean, you know, we call Dr. Cornell West, you know what I'm saying? We call Shakira Angela Batuli. Like we have, we have people that have expertise in these different um, categories that can really give our community pertinent information. What do we do when we have these huge celebrities with platforms uh, that are stepping up and and saying things that might not even be totally correct? How do we combat that in this moment? I wanna start with you, Dr. West, but I want everybody to jump
2: in. Yeah, this Mm -hmm. conversation has been so rich, but one is now we come from people whose anthem is lift every voice. It's not lift every echo. (laughs) <laughs> so if you're in an echo chamber and you're just ex- being extended especially getting paid off 50 cents say that uh that, that trump offered him half a million dollars
1: you true so that's
2: not a voice you see that ain't aretha that ain't luther mm-hmm. that's pat boone and blackface somebody is just coming out of the echo chamber to get an extended but when they lift their voices we don't have to have full agreement i don't believe in unanimity i'm a jazz man everybody got to lift their voice but we got to make a distinction between the voices and the echoes and when they do you raise their voice and we disagree we just tell them out of love you wrong as two left shoes you just wrong love means protect respect and correct right. you can love somebody be wrong i mean i can sit down with what ice cube and say look brother this particular timing i think it's wrong I, I think you got a good heart you're a wonderful artist your your, your artistry has <laughs> enriched my life you're wrong brother now let's go and have a drink i'll buy you a cognac So so we have to be able to have that kind of exchange back and forth because the masses of black people, those who are voting, are going to be able to push the fascists out. And that's the crucial thing. Now, if Trump wins, the very possibility of democracy goes under. Now, once Biden wins, then we put pressure on him. Then we say okay here's the criteria you got to fight against poverty you got to fight against racism you got to fight against sexism you got to fight against militarism abroad africom in africa that's our tradition but we but reform is part and parcel of fundamental change it's on the way now people who are just stuck on reform and don't want to talk about fighting against poverty then i'm gonna disagree with them fighting mm-hmm. wins and people say well now everything is fine he's our savior get off the crack pipe please no we push the gangster out now we bring pressure to bear because the least of these the brothers and sisters in the hood they their condition is a measure of our community and our progress it's not going to be the middle classes not going to be the celebrities they not the measure it's the brothers and sisters who are locked into you know the decrepit school systems indecent mm-hmm. housing no access to health care jobs not enough jobs with a living wage the sisters dealing with domestic violence, the gay brothers and lesbian sisters getting pushed aside, precious trans folk getting trashed. No, we standing for all of them, and I say that as a revolutionary Christian. The least of these is a measure for what our service and our witness ought to be.
1: Mm, powerful. Did anybody else want to hop in on
4: that, or so I'll jump in on that. So what I will say is that you know he you know he's speaking from his income bracket perspective, right? Now, not many people are gonna be in that block. There are hundreds of thousands of black men who are literally trying to live from one day to the next. Making sure that we're creating space and supporting the leadership of those black men is important. Making sure that we're highlighting the work of those black men is important. So, and and that is to say that it's really about connecting with community and having, you know, most of us would never know what it's like to drive one of those vehicles that he's able to drive, right? The rest of us have to live day to day, right? And within our communities, we are living the impact of somebody else's decisions. Hmm. That's why that one for one, which is what the vote is, right? Because no one will work that hard to exclude you from voting if it didn't have value. No one tries to steal something that doesn't have value, right? Um, So making sure that we are informed, that we are involved, and that we are influencing those policies and the policymakers, or that we become the policymakers, that's what needs to happen. And all of that is through leadership, development, and
5: support. And the the last thing that I would say, just from a technological point of view, is that we have to start having new conversations. I think Dr. West talked about what happens in the after, right? From where I sit looking at technology and how the the lack of regulation of technologies really does impact Black people in a negative way, we need to start having honest conversations around racial capitalism. Because if you look at the way that misinformation has been able to spread, it's because Black lives really don't matter because they make white people rich, right? Mm -hmm. So when we were looking at disinformation against Black men, the contract that they're being offered is that you can have money, Right, $500,000, or you can have clout or you can have. So how do we, how do we start thinking about using those same technologies to promote this idea that we need to deeply analyze the fact that coming out of this in order for black men to matter, we need to really look at our economic system. We really need to think about social safety supports. We really need to think about health. We really need to think about education. And I think part of the work that we do at AI for the People isn't just raising these issues of racism and technology, but also creating through the arts and you know folks like you and others that we partner with new possibilities and new conversations. We we were able to make Black Lives Matter trend, but we also need to be able to make economics matter trend that poor people need to be addressed because otherwise you're always gonna have this Black male underclass who are a function of a larger economic system. And then the other thing I'll say is when we were looking at designing our campaigns and looking at Black disinformation, this isn't all Black men. This is actually 20% of the most disaffected. So when it comes to it, if you are offering people that have nothing something, and often that something is being better than a black woman, you're actually mm. giving them because the one of the, you know, we've been tracking these narratives, and one of the strongest narratives to push black men to Trump. Is this idea that Kamala Harris couldn't lead? And they're really leaning into a very, very toxic strain right. of sexism to make that happen. But it's completely ludicrous that having a Black person on the ticket would make that ticket less attractive to Black people. And then the last thing I'll say on that, and Great. this is. Right, that's, that's, that's disinformation in itself. That is wow. some foolishness. But then the last thing that I'll also say about that is the dynamics of this particular race is that Joe Biden is winning with white old people and white women in the suburbs. So he doesn't actually need these disaffected black men to still win and that's a very dangerous situation to be in politically because when people like me look at the numbers if you were not needed to win and you you ended up being the weakest link it's very difficult to build power from mm-hmm. that base so you know radical compassion radical love and like i said let's use these algorithms to spread that because we love these we love these people 50 may be far gone but, you know, we love these people. These are our family. We want to call you in and then, and then give you the conditions in which you can live a dignified life.
1: Hmm.
3: Oh. And what I want to say to you, Siri, don't you ever put you in that category. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the record, for real, don't ever you. put yourself in that category. Mm-hmm. You and I, we have had these discussions. You are a conscious artist. You care about your community You care about what happens to your community. And that's what we need to uplift is artists like you. you. Who are in the hood, who are in the streets and connected to your people. These brothers got to check, remove themselves and remove themselves from really knowing what the heartbeat and pulse of the community is. And Mm -hmm. that's what's real. So I tell them all, if you really listen to 50, are you really listening? I mean, you don't want to pay taxes or look and see where his when his taxes was filed last like what you got right so i mean you got to pay attention as they say to the optics right Right. so these brothers are getting on board for a reason because they're nervous about oh i can't go back to the have-nots i mean it's the fear of the unknown because now they think they've arrived and so now they think that okay i have to align myself with what that looks like so my sister's right about the numbers but don't you ever put yourself Thank you. So you are very, very <laughs> conscious of what we, you are woke, you've been woke, you stay woke, and that's what we need. And for these brothers out here, like I tell them that don't want to vote, I say to them, then go down to Boyd's funeral home here in Cleveland and pick out your casket. Right. And they look at me and say, why do you say that? Because your life is going to be short. Because you're telling me you don't care about your health care. You're telling me you don't care about working. And all you're going to do is keep griping and complaining about what you don't got. And that's not what we need right now. Right. if you want to make change, you gotta be a part of the change. So you have to vote. And mm-hmm. if you don't want to, I'm serious. Your life is gonna be short. Right. You yeah. have to put yourself. What what's the saying go? You gotta bring your chair to sit at the table. If there's not yeah. a chair for you. I'm just saying.
1: No, you, you you're preaching right now, since You get yeah, into it. <laughs> so so we do have uh some some questions. Um I, I wanna um I, I wanna uh, start with you on this question, um Dr. West, because it's around um um, um, uh, scholarship. It says, can you comment on the politics surrounding critical race theory during this election? Some African American scholars take issue with the criticism and others do not. Are these criticisms warranted or is it disinformation? Um, it was amazing to see critical race theory discussed at a debate. Um, and, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, Donald Trump, you know, outright said it was, it was racist. Um, How do you feel about you know critical race theory, uh, Dr. West, being discussed in this moment? Um, Do you have do you take issue with it? Is it disinformation? disinformation?
2: No. I'll show you this right now. You see this? this, (laughs) It's it's critical race theory. (laughs) Oh, oh, she got it right there. She got it right there. And and you see my yes my forward right there. Exactly. Twenty five years ago. That's right, my dear sister. Twenty five years ago, our dear sister Kimberly Crenshaw. One of the most brilliant legal minds and theorists, not just because she's at Columbia, UCLA, she could be anywhere. We Mm -hmm. don't have to be at an institution to measure our wisdom and our courage and our vision. But she happens to be at those two places. It comes down to what is the truth and what is justice. It's not a matter of what theory doesn't have to do with what ism or nothing else. It's a matter of integrity, honesty, decency, truth and justice. Is it the truth that? in order to come to terms with the black predicament you must talk about class you must talk about race you must talk about gender you must talk about empire yes it is the truth you got to talk about region our precious brothers and sisters in mississippi do have different kind of situations than brothers and sisters in los angeles
3: Mm -hmm.
2: capitalism working there racism working there sexism working there but mississippi got a different history and that region got a different history than sunshine land where i come from in california so, all Kimberly Crenshaw was talking about is let's tell the truth. But they painful truths. And if they're painful truths, people want to evade, avoid, or they want to lie about. It. Now, Trump talking about critical theories, like me talking about unicorns. You know what I mean? Hey, <laughs> we, we, we can't even bring him in on as, 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 as interlocutor in that sense. It. But it's a matter of we are people for truth, condition of truth to allow suffering to speak. Everybody's suffering. We're people of justice. What is justice? That's what love looks like in public. We love warriors, we spiritual soldiers, we freedom fighters till the worms get our body.
1: Mm, absolutely. Powerful, powerful. Um, I want to um add ask this question uh, uh, to you, Shakira, because you talked about um uh you know we need to look for you know who's who's speaking for those uh, brothers and sisters that are in our community right now. So somebody asked, apart from you five, which leaders are you looking to right now? So are there folks, Shakira, that, that you identify that you look to as these are some voices that we should be paying attention to in this moment?
4: So, you know, it's so funny to me, like the people are like looking for like the leader. There's leaders all the way, around. there are leaders among us. I am very fortunate to say that I I am in community, love community, and I get to work with the, the woman who fought to make sure that the man who harmed her family is able to rejoin his family. That's a hero to me. Absolutely. I'm able to work with the woman who was holding her dying son and prayed for the boy who shot him, right? Because she understood that her community in Chicago needed investments. We have heroes all the way around us, right? We just need to acknowledge them. Every hero doesn't have to look shiny and fancy, right? I mean, you know, one thing that in the organ, in the Alliance for Safety and Justice who I work with, one of the things that we really attribute our strength to is building up that leadership. You know, Matula was talking about technology. What we're working on is using technology exactly as you're saying. We're registering tens and thousands of people who have never been engaged before because we are from the margins. A lot of times it's also understanding that it, it is like, who your audience is, right? Everybody's not going to be able to pick up everybody or connect with everybody. So understanding that we have to diversify the leadership, elevate and give people space and support them and acknowledge when you see a leader. Because, you know, just because somebody's getting some screen time doesn't mean that they're a leader. They're getting screen time. We have leaders who have who are sustaining communities every single day, um, but we're not acknowledging that. And I think what we need to do is reassess what we mean by leadership and understand mm-hmm. that if you are working for the betterment of others, you are a leader. If you are using your space to create space for others, you are a leader. If you are speaking up when everybody else wants to be quiet, you're a leader.
1: Absolutely, that's very, very powerful. Um, I want to bring this uh, question to you, um, Angela. Um, it says Dr. West has talked previously about how this election is a, a selection between neo-fascism and neoliberalism. Um, if Biden wins, what prevents a repeat of 2008, when people came together to support Obama, then sat back and didn't engage afterwards? That prevented the advancement of progressive policies in healthcare, national security, and prevention of deportations. Additionally, the lack of continued engagement after election day contributed to democratic losses in 2010, how do we prevent history from repeating itself?
3: Well, it goes back to a saying that we've all heard, all politics are local. So as we're all captivated and seeing these lines now, you want these lines to be next year. Mm -hmm. Next year, a lot of us vote for mayors. We vote for city council. When Mm -hmm. we look at our communities, just to start with our community, okay? When we look at where is our community going? Why is there so many abandoned buildings? Why are there so many vacant lots? Why is there so much gun violence, right? right. You have to start locally. Um, and so I tell people before we reach to the White House, let's just look at city hall. Let's just start there in our neighborhoods, And let's start focusing on there before we get so caught up because I keep saying the president is an administrative position. congress is a legislative position see civic education is so crucial and i and i get disturbed when some of the kids are telling me they don't get it anymore and i'm like no then we need to have a serious deep dive conversation Mm -hmm. and i've even challenged churches on this we need to bring civic education back to elementary level so they're clear what the bodies actually do and stop getting them confused and so i say that because the mayor is an administrative body but the body you want to look at when you start talking about health care, when you start talking about our economy, those are legislative actions. And mm-hmm. we can't get that twisted. We can't get that confused. That's the body that we have to look at. So, Jess, I understand that this election is crucial because of the administrative office, but I pray to God everybody is looking at those legislative bodies right. because you have Congress on the ballot. You have Senate on the ballot. You have the State House, Ohio State House, Pennsylvania House representatives. They're on the ballot, so you have got to pay attention to those because these are the people that make the laws. Right, and that's what we seem to miss, and we've got to start tuning into that, and we've got to hold them just as accountable.
1: Oh, that's absolutely so powerful, so powerful. Um, This question um, uh, was directed at you, uh, uh, Mutale. Um, it says, you spoke about Biden not needing Black male voters. Do you think Biden will actually turn away from that constituency?
5: Absolutely not. We cannot allow that. I think any politician is going to turn away from where there isn't pressure that so I know me as a Black woman that wants the entirety of my community to be represented will make it so that it is impossible to turn away from that constituency because that 20% and I do want to correct not Black men, not rich Black men, not educated Black men, not Black men that are seen as being an asset, right? You see that in the plan of 50 cent and, you know, trying to grab onto ice cube who actually came out and said that he didn't support Donald Trump. So they're, they're looking at the black men they feel that they can throw away. And I feel like, and you know, I feel so connected to everybody on on this panel, because what we're saying as black people is that you cannot throw anybody away and you should be actually legislating to make sure that those who are the least are the ones that we serve first. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, just going back to this idea of critical race theory, one of the things that I often think about are what would it mean to live, what would it mean to align our values with uh, the Kumbaya River Collective and other Black feminists? Because if you look into Black feminism, one of the key things that they say is if we want to, if we want to solve the problems of everybody, then you have to go and solve the problems of the most minoritized because by so solving problems for queer folk, for poor folk, for black folk, for disabled folk, for folks that don't speak English, for folks that, are, that were born in other countries, you're dismantling so many of the systems that uphold white supremacy. And so the thing that I would say to that person that asked the question, those of us that are doing work to dismantle white supremacy are also doing work to uplift black men and that's certainly where my my time is situated
4: Mm
1: -hmm. thank you thank you for that and that's um that was a powerful question so i do have uh, also if you if you have questions you can text your questions to 330-541-5794 um, if you do have any questions, um, I have a question, and I, I, you know, it's for everybody. But I, I, I want to start uh, with you, Angela. Uh, we're in this situation where on November third, we're probably not even going to know who who, who won. <laughs> and and and, and, and I'm, I'm saying this because you know, I'm, you know, I'm, we're, I'm on the ground organizing in in in, in 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 Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh, and people are asking me, "What is your plan?" for after the election and I'm like I'm just trying to get to November 3rd but have you started to think about like what what will these weeks look like or week look like until we might find out um who the winner is and what should we be doing as a community during that time that's for everybody but I mm-hmm. want to say Angela
3: well, first off, I tell everybody, buckle in, because I think we're in for a long ride <laughs> and a long way. <laughs> and if anybody, if, if we think it's over till it's over, most of us have been here before. Uh, some of us are still not, as I said, suffering PTSD from 2000 and then suffering <laughs> how that went down. So mm-hmm. for those of us that remember, that was that was long to wait to find out. And then for those of us here in Ohio and in Florida, we felt rock. Um and so the, the thing is, as I've told people, is we just have to ride the wave, keep listening to the counts, don't believe it's over till it's over. But in the same token, we still gotta do check-ins in this COVID. See, I've been I've been a little bit over worried about those that aren't technology that aren't on like this right now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm I'm really concerned about the disconnect of those brothers and sisters that You know, and I've been saying it in this election cycle. Like, what are we doing to ensure we're touching those that aren't on the zooms, that's not on the go-to meetings, the Webinx, the Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? Are we sure we're doing check-ins with them to make sure, A, they're okay? You know, we got to do some health and wellness checks on everybody when this is over, because really, we all have been working 24 hours, Mm -hmm. seven days a week with this cycle. So first we all need to be doing check-ins on November 4th to make sure health-wise we're okay. And then go check on others that may not have all this technology now, just to make sure they're okay. For for those that aren't, that are getting these phone calls, they're loving that, but I'm just hoping we need to get together as a community to start calling after November 3rd, Mm -hmm. just make sure they're okay. And then we can start building this discussion, like I said, about next year, because there's an election next year. Right. And some people are using this election to campaign for next year's election. Right. If you think they know, then I'm sorry, you don't get this. Then you need to call me when this is over. We really need to do a deep dive. (laughs) Because (laughs) believe it or not, there's a whole lot of folks using this election to get ready for next year's election. And so we have to stay woke even after November 3rd and keep our eyes not just on that, but who are some of the rising voices that we might see emerge next year. And don't just count that. Don't, don't see when, when that question before about getting comfortable, see people got comfortable and that's why we lost everything in 2010. That's why we did. That's why I think I just wiped out. We got comfortable. And see, mm-hmm. you just can't get comfortable. We always got to play ahead. We always have to stay ahead. We got to read ahead. That's the other thing. Just because mm-hmm. we all on this technology, pick up the books they, they just show you. If you, don't, if you haven't read that book, then I feel sorry. For it. But everybody, <laughs> <told laughs> I've been reading books since tonight. Because <laughs> I we, we, worry we're losing some people in this reading effort. Because reading <laughs> is really fundamental in this COVID cycle, but also yeah. it should prepare you to get ready for the fight. I mean, it really should be, because there's going to be a fight next year. I mean, I just, I, I believe it. There's going to be a lot of, this COVID has destroyed a lot of communities and city councils are going to be faced with a lot of tough decisions.
5: That's I don't think
3: right. their are roles, but we have to be ready to challenge that, see what's going on, be up on it, figure out why it's such a challenge for next year. So I just really hope and pray when this is all we check in. And then from there, we really, really start examining what next year looks like. Mm-hmm.
5: I, I have I have a slight response just in terms of what we're seeing uh, from a social media perspective and disinformation. So we've actually seen the platform step forward and make some changes. So today, Twitter, for example, said that they're going to do a thing that's called pre-bunking, which means you know, the idea that the election, the count was wrong or mail, mail in doesn't work. They're not allowing those messages onto the platform. They're actually going to downgrade them in the algorithm. You've also got. Facebook that said that isn't allowing any political advertising, I believe today, from today until a week after the election, because one of the strategies that was uncovered was this idea that the right were just going to flood social media networks with uh, an announcement of a victory. And then we are spending all our time trying to deal with uh, changing that narrative that we're not doing the pivotal work. I do know that secretary of states um, across the country are also really trying to uh, work together to make sure that when they certify, they certify in in a way that is as, I mean, it's not gonna be perfect, right? Because we have states rights, but certify in a way that means that we have as much much information as possible. Unfortunately, I'm in Pennsylvania this year. Um, You have in Pennsylvania one to 17 Democrat to Republican mail-in. So whatever we see on, uh, whatever we see the election night in Pennsylvania, isn't going to count those other potential Democratic votes. But the thing that I would say is that these lines that we're seeing, particularly these lines between first-time voters 18 to 35, and then people that have never voted, they're over-indexing. So my one of the things that i have to remind people is that if we have a definitive biden win which i have to also let you know is not a win for the progressive left it is just a way to push um as dr west said the the fascist gangster out and then have somebody that we can actually organize against and pressure um then i don't think that not to say that these fears are overstated but We are already in a situation where social media networks themselves are trying to limit declaration of victory early, because that is going to be the next strategy. The other thing that we need to look for, though, I'm talking about high level, is we cannot forget that the KKK under David Duke were the earliest adopters of the internet. Mm. What that means, 1998, um, if we had time, I could put links to the paper in the chat. What we ca- what we cannot understate are these like, tiny white supremacists, you know, like the militias that try to come out in Michigan. These are smaller people. They don't have large followings and they're, they're, they're gonna try and uh, spread ideas of, well, well, now we need to have a race war. Like they've been trying all summer with the Black Lives Matter um, uprisings. What they forgot is that Black people are really not trying to have a race war right now. We're just trying to live. So y'all have your own race war on the left, but we got to go to the polls. And then we got to dance when we get there. And then we got to have a cookout. And then we got, like, we are busy. We're not not here for your war. But they are going to attempt to, and this is why those marginal folks that I was talking about in terms of Black men become a potential liability. They are probably going to try and creep in now it's time for a war rhetoric, but the the indicators are that it's not going to stick. And so one of the strategies that we've been using in our work is this idea of Black joy, Black optimism, and making sure that the messages that we push out are around to exactly what my sister Angela was saying, the yeah. optimism of what is ahead, and that will drown out disinformation.
1: Building that power up, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Shakira?
4: That I mean, I would just say that, like, you know, the day is going to come. It's gonna be a day after that. We still have to keep on building, right? So this is just one moment. We can't get caught up in that one moment. We literally have so much work to do. Mm-hmm. And part of the, the the beauty of us is resilience and being able to connect with our own humanity. We always have to anchor back into that, connecting with our own humanity, um, reminding ourselves that we are human beings. We have to love ourselves as such. Um, but we, I mean, let's just stay focused, keep on building and keep, and, and more more importantly, acknowledge the leaders and the gems among us. That's what we need to do, right? Um, and that we don't have to look for the shiny ones, whatever that is, I don't know what people are looking for, but we have to acknowledge those anchors, those leaders in our community. Then we have to continue to build because um, you know we've made it this far, so yeah. we ain't going nowhere.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to give you the last word, uh, uh, Dr. Cornel West.
2: But all of this eloquence and all of this courage and vision is just a beautiful thing. So Absolutely. Beautiful. But no, I think we, we in some ways in where we started, which is that, you see, what, what makes black people such a great people is to be able to look unflinchingly at all of the evil and still forge a love of truth and goodness and beauty and if you if you're religious muslim or judaic christian it's the love of god too and what that means is no matter how mighty white supremacy predatory capitalism any other structural domination is it's not all mighty. there's a love that's unstoppable that's unsuffocatable you can come at it every way you will but people just keep on coming anyway and not just coming in any uh, but uh, in an isolated manner but with integrity and solidarity and right. looking up to something bigger than them. See, when I went to Sunday school, they told me if the kingdom of God is within you then everywhere you go, you ought to leave a little heaven behind. Well, what kind of heaven are you leaving behind? Go to the booth, leave a little heaven behind. Go to the street, <laughs> leave a little heaven behind. Read, go to the laboratory, do your scientific work. Leave some heaven behind, love of wisdom and love of neighbor. Right. And then a love of justice. Now we have to be very honest in the end some of us are gonna get shot yeah you got gangsters out there you got over 1100 white supremacist militia they got lists and everything else so what that's all they can do is take our lives our lives as a gift to the people because the gift that we received from god itself was undeserved and so the question becomes what kind of life and what kind of death for some are you going to give to the people to the least of these Mm -hmm. to satisfy the sacred needs of God's people, all colors now. We start on the chocolate side, but it spills over to vanilla and yeah. indigenous people and Asia all around the world. France Fanon said, The wretched of the earth right, be the measure. Well, in some ways, that's biblical. I know mm-hmm. I'm not that appropriate for no he, He's secular Marxist, brother. Let him go on and do his thing. But I'm going to bring in some Jesus juice on this thing. <laughs> when you talk about the least of these. It's the prisoners, it's the women. Right. It's the black folk, it's the poor folk, it's the subjugated folk, it's the hated folk. They're the lens through which you look at the world that Cross is all about. And so in that sense, you know, it's just a blessing to be with folk who are on that love train, on that caravan of love that the Eisen brothers reminded of. The genius from from Ohio, Bootsy Collins, who right. wrote a song called Stars. When stars have no name, they shine. Right. Fannie Lou Hammer say this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Not in that shiny sense that Sister Sakura Riley is talking about. We're not talking about glitz and blitz. We're talking about the service and the love That's and right. the sacrifice for something bigger than us. That's mm-hmm. what's kept us going and we gonna keep going as a people. Ain't nobody mm-hmm. shutting us down. No.
1: Wow. Make what? it count. What a, what a powerful way to end. Um, we want to thank uh, City Club. Thank you, Dan, uh, for hosting us and having us. Man, you can ring the bell on that one, man. I'm going just- <laughs> to I, I, I,
0: I, there's some things I have to say. And I, and I don't, I wish I didn't have to say, I wish we could just ring the bell on that. Dr. West, you have left a lot of heaven behind here at the City Club. Thank you so much for being a part of this today. Shakira Diaz, thank you. It's so wonderful to see you. It has been far too long, seven or eight months at least of this pandemic. Mutali Nakande, we hope to welcome you to Cleveland someday, uh, really in Cleveland.
3: I would love that.
0: We would love that too, along with Dr. West. You were welcome anytime, sir. And Angela Woodson, I can't wait to see you again sometime soon as well. Jasiri X, it is wonderful to meet you. And and we, we look forward to bringing you back to Cleveland at some point as well. So I wanna thank everybody for joining us for, uh, there's a little bit of heaven that's been left behind for all of us today. And uh, I wanna thank the the five of you for just a wonderful conversation. Our forum today is presented in partnership with One Hood Power and Rap Sessions. All City Club Virtual Forums are sponsored by Bank of America, the Cleveland Foundation, Eaton, the George Gund Foundation, Key Bank Norton, and the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, along with PNC, and many other generous members, sponsors, and donors. You can find them all at our website, cityclub.org slash thank you is the specific URL for that. And you can join them in supporting our work when you make a contribution online or become a member there. I'm Dan Maltrop. Stay strong, stay healthy. Thank you for washing your hands and keeping distance when you have to and wearing a mask. And thank you for staying close in your hearts if you can't be close in person. Our form is now adjourned.